Greetings, friends. I am Matthew Kennedy, licensed professional counselor. You are listening to Experience Emerge. Today, we will dive into another conversation about the broken and fractured aspects of our lives. Then we will discuss how we put these pieces back together again to find rest and live free. C.S. Lewis once said, Miracles are a retelling in small letters of the very same story which is written across the whole world in letters too large for some of us to see. In today's episode, we are going to explore a story in hopes to gain a little bit of perspective on those larger letters. Well, welcome to our second episode of Experience Emerge. Today, our guest is a former client of Emerge, and she is here to tell her story of dealing with perfectionism, overcoming depression, working through an anxiety disorder, having suicidal thoughts, practicing self-harm. We are just so thankful that, um, one, she is healthy and doing well today, and, and two, here, Um, really, really open to sharing her experience um, on all of these different matters. So I would like to introduce to you Katie Hickman. My name's Katie, um, born and raised in Akron, just graduated from the University of Akron. I work part-time at a funeral home, and I'm also an intern for Garden City Church. I'm your classic Enneagram 3, mm-hmm. um, extroverted introvert, and yeah, I had a really unique and life-changing experience with the Lord and with counseling and those two together. Um, yeah, and God has created a really powerful story out of that that I'm excited to share. I'm excited to hear it. Um, tell us a little bit about life before that experience and, and kind of what led us up to um, you and I having a conversation today. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not grow up in the church, did not grow up in a Christian home, um, didn't know much about God necessarily, but um, what I do remember from an early age is a desire for approval. Um, and th- I think that started with my dad first. I remember looking at old report cards just a couple months ago and I saw a difference between first grade and second grade on where I was an average student leading up to first grade but in second grade something shifted and it was all A's all A's all A's from that until the end of college and I think that is a um, really interesting time in my life that I kind of point back to is where the need to um, prove myself and get approval from others began. Um, my dad worked a really, really stressful job. And so I did desire and want more love and more approval. And I started to use avenues like grades and sports and extracurriculars um, and just kind of began building a foundation on what I was doing and proving myself and showing that I was worthy of love because of all of those things. So mm-hmm. yeah, that started at a really, really young age. When do you think you started to be, become aware of that, that that might be uh, a drive of yours? I think you and I even talked in the pre-interview about like the word perfectionism. Um, talk to me a little bit about that and maybe becoming uh, aware of that. I think I was unconscious of it for a long time. 
Um, in high school, I definitely saw its effects on me. Um, I experienced a lot of burnout in high school, but at the time, I didn't know um, to put that word to it. I didn't know about um, taking care of myself. I um, really spread myself thin in a lot of ways that looking back, that is where I saw how deeply rooted the need um, for performance and proving myself and perfectionism was. I mean, mm-hmm. I... Um, needed to get the best grades and was second in my class and needed to be the captain of the tennis team and just all of these different avenues in school um, that I saw in high school really, yeah, just showed, like I said, how deep the need for perfectionism and proving myself went. Um, When I got to college, a lot of that was pulled under me. So I had really rooted my identity in how well I was performing, how well I could do something, if I could do it perfectly. Um, I remember in high school, the first time someone told me Katie Hickman is perfect, like, Katie, you're so perfect, and just kind of internalizing that. And that was a really challenging time, too, because I met the I met the Lord in high school hmm. um, through a really awesome Bible study and a conference and lots of different things. But um, because I had just all I had known for a long time was proving myself. I even turned Christianity into proving myself and needing to say all the right things and know all the right verses and be able to share the gospel perfectly or um, being a leader in any way possible or how many people can I get to know Jesus? Just really even my relationship with God turning into a performance, perfection, needing to prove myself. And really the core of it, not feeling like I was worthy of love if I wasn't doing things well or doing things good enough. Um, Yeah. And really operating out of a space of believing that I wasn't good enough. And with every single area of my life, with Jesus, with friends, with family, with school, that, um, yeah, I had to prove myself lovable. Mm -hmm. And I just did that through what I, what I did. Yeah. Who do, you, who do you think you were trying to get to recognize you were lovable? Like, who were who you trying to prove to? Do you know? I th- Well, I know from my childhood, it started with my dad. But I think mm-hmm. by the time I was in high school, I wanted it from anyone. Mm-hmm. And looking back, I remember just walking through the halls and knowing everyone and feeling known by everyone, but not having anyone really knowing me. Mm-hmm. I had just created this persona out of proving myself and pleasing others and being good enough and achieving um, that it became really, really lonely. And yeah, I was just in a, a really intense cycle of the people pleasing. And yeah. So when that person came to you in high school and said, Katie, you're like perfect. Did you feel like you achieved something or did it leave you with a different feeling than you were trying to drive after? I think I, hmm. That's a good question. I think it did something in me where it felt really good. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, that felt really good. I wanted that, that filled something very temporarily in me Mm -hmm. but then immediately after that feeling was over it was okay how can I keep this up okay now it's the expectation that I am perfect so if people want to if I if I want people to like me if I want people to stay in my life if I want to feel loved if I want to feel worthy then that means I have to be perfect 
That's exhausting. Oh, oh, so exhausting. I mean, how how would one even imagine to keep that up? I couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. So you recognized that pretty early in, in your life as far as being in high school and knowing I can't keep this up. I can't keep this pace. Uh, I wish that was the story. Okay. <laughs> it went on for four years. Okay. Um, that was at the very beginning of high school that that happened. Okay. But four years later, um, I was still, that was still my drive. And mm-hmm. looking back now, I can see how that started to take a hold, uh, how Looking back now, I can see how that started to take a toll on my mental wellness. My senior year of high school, it was like three weeks before graduation, and I had a huge speech and so much to do. And, you know, I mean, it's really exhausting and tiring to be a senior in high school and get ready to move on to the next thing. And I was in the, like, last class of the day, um, and I started to have an anxiety attack, but I didn't know what that was. I just I started with, like, I couldn't breathe, and then it started with I couldn't move my legs, and then I was crying, but I couldn't stop and then I couldn't talk and it was a really really intense thing where I literally needed help getting out of the building Mm. Um, but even that in of itself I wasn't surrounded with people who said like this this is not okay like your body is telling you that you're not okay but I think that was the consequences of living those four years like I had to be something that was absolutely unachievable Mm -hmm. you know so after four years your body finally said we're done Yes. And a panic attack happened. Yes. And that probably awoke you to something's going on. Yes. Okay. I think because of the season that it happened in and all of the things that happened before you graduate high school, I didn't take it very seriously because I didn't know how serious it was. Mm -hmm. Um, But going into college, that anxiety and everything that my body had been holding in, um, started to come out in different ways so I went from a high school of 2000 or not 2000 I went from a high school of 1100 people um, to a university of 24,000 people Mm. and because my identity was really in being known being liked getting others approval I felt like that was really stripped away when I went to college. Yeah, when what you've relied on to tell you who you are um, is no longer there, it's really devastating. So from that place, um, that's when things really spiraled down. Um, I started dealing with um, depression, anxiety that turned into self-harm, turned into suicidal ideation. And it was really painful, especially because I felt like I had to deal with all of these things behind closed doors um, because so much of my identity had been the perfect one, the happy one, the one who um, brightens up the room. And I felt like if I wasn't okay, then other people wouldn't be okay. Um, So I really isolated myself Mm. when I started experiencing these things and then feeling guilt and shame that I'm Katie, I shouldn't be feeling this way in the first place, but that doesn't make depression go away. Mm -hmm. Um, So that went on for a couple of months. And thankfully I lived in um, a house with eight other girls. And one of those women who has been in my life for a long time um, was really encouraging me to go to counseling, Mm -hmm. go to counseling, go to counseling, go to counseling. And I was anti. 
Um, I'd only been a Christian for a couple of years, but during that time, I hadn't really heard anything from the church world about mental wellness or about counseling. Um, Really, all I knew about it was from what the world said about it, and so I didn't really trust it. Um, And it really got to the point where it was dangerous for me to not be getting help. And so, um, uh, bless her. She locked me in her room and said that I couldn't come out until I signed up for counseling. And I, I didn't feel threatened. Like I knew it was from a place of really deep love and her caring about me and that I really, um, I really, really needed the help. And after I signed up and came out, she threw confetti at me. So that was really exciting. I think everyone should have confetti thrown at them after they sign up for counseling. We should do that. We should merge it should should be something we do but how does a person that that goes for so many years in their life dealing with this idea of perfectionism and persona having this persona that they're putting onto the world to being at a point where you're signing papers going i need help that's a big turnaround that's a big change talk to me about that it was it felt like i was dying to a part of me um I wasn't necessarily vocal to other people about the fact that I was signing up because shame for that exact reason, Mm -hmm. feeling like, okay, I know that I'm not okay, but I still feel like I need to be okay. And if I admit that I'm not okay, um, that's not allowed. Like there's no space in the world for me to be feeling and experiencing what I'm feeling and experiencing. Um, But yeah, I do really, looking back, feel like it was the Holy Spirit who like led me to do that because um, on my own with everything I had experienced and um, thought about myself and the lies that I was believing, it didn't really make sense for me to eventually sign up because when you do that, it feels like I'm broken and I need help. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that's what I thought about it. Like they're just going to think I'm a mess and that's really hard to admit to another person. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. this kind of all came out your freshman year and I would imagine then you felt really alone because you said you kind of fell into a depression had you ever experienced that type of emotion before no um I discovered looking back that I lived life for a long time very separated from my emotions Mm -hmm. um really suppressing anything that wasn't joy or gladness or happiness um yeah, suppressing anger, suppressing sadness, not letting myself cry, not letting myself grieve. Um, yeah, so to feel those things, I'm sure that they were in me and that there could have been seasons of life where those feelings and thoughts had come up, but I think I had gotten so good about completely numbing out and separating myself from them that it had felt like the first time I'd ever been feeling so hopeless or so alone um, or... Yeah, all of the all of the spiral of thoughts that had come yeah. along with that season. I know these things are very difficult to talk about, but would you talk about a little bit? Um, you said you got into maybe practicing some self harm and then um, some suicidal thoughts and ideation. Uh, share share with me a little bit about that time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I. I think because of the separation of emotion, when these deep thoughts of depression started coming up more and more and started becoming more intense, I didn't know or have the tools to deal with them. Um, And it felt like I wasn't even able to get out these emotions. Um, So yeah, a habit of 
cutting myself began during that time. Um, and I think it was out of a space of needing a physical release and not knowing what else to do. Um, yeah. And I mean, a weird satisfaction and an addiction that can come with doing something like that, where I think Satan really twists our thoughts about, you know, mm-hmm. release and emotion and not letting it out to other people. And I mean, it's just a really isolated and lonely place to be, but it became a crutch for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and as that escalated, um, that's when a lot of suicide ideation thoughts began. Um, like I would just be driving home from work at Chick-fil-A, the happiest place on earth, and just want to like run my car into something because it just felt too hard to like wake up and have to do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it, it was really strange because at the same time, even with all of that going on while I was alone and behind closed doors, um, I was making new friends in college and I was starting to receive the identity again as the happy one and the joyful one and getting a 4.0 my first semester in college like it was just a really weird um like battle against what I was experiencing and what I was showing the world I was experiencing so again it was just a really really lonely time yeah and then a friend of yours recognized some of these things had you sign up for merge throw throws confetti at you after you leave the room and then then you got to here Mm -hmm. tell me about your experience here yeah so um when they just set me up with a counselor who was available I was horrified for my first appointment like I'm not gonna show up really needed a lot of convincing to go needed a lot of pep talk pep talks from that um, specific friend but um, when I got here and when I stepped into the office this is really funny and weird um, my counselor's office had a lot of mint in it and like that was my favorite color and my room had a lot of mint and I was like okay this is okay you know this this feels like a safe place because I'm very like I'm very homebody creating spaces safe spaces kind of person and so walking in I was like this is a safe space. So my experience going into counseling um, started off with a lot of coping skills because what I had gone in there for was suicide ideation, depression, anxiety, and cutting. And so really the first thing we did was learn learned coping mechanisms. How can I be safe? How can I separate myself from the tools I'm using for self-harm? How can I get my community involved in supporting me? How can I tell people that I'm not okay right now? Um, yeah, just being able to cope and to deal with the feelings and the emotions that had come up. And that, that took almost a year. That was a really hard um, learning curve for me to be able to learn how to say things like, I'm not okay, or be able to do things that were out of, okay, I need to do this for my own well-being, which is something it's a way I'd never operated in the past. Um, so that was what we started off with. But after a lot of those things started getting under control and I was safer and it wasn't necessarily as prevalent, we started um, looking at some root issues in my life, one of them being I'm not good enough. And we would do EMDR, art therapy, um, cognitive behavioral therapy, really just to dive into what experiences happened in my life that have made me feel like I am not good enough. And 
it's just interesting looking back, seeing how that affected me um, in elementary school and in middle school and in high school and in college and just the ways that feeling like I wasn't enough showed up in my relationships and in my family and just all of these different things. And so as we were working on those core lies and core beliefs, um, I'd say that was a harder time in counseling than just learning coping skills mm-hmm. because, I mean, you're opening a lot of doors that feel really scary and you're going to a lot of places that, I mean, sometimes your brain doesn't even want you to be go. Um, so that was a really interesting time. But also through that, I was learning about the Holy Spirit and learning about God speaking. And um, when I think about counseling in the beginning, I kind of had counseling and God in two separate boxes. Um, But God really used counseling to draw me to himself. Um, It was in a counseling appointment that my counselor um, was the first person who ever asked me, like, what do you think God is saying to you about this? Um, And yeah, just learning a lot of truths about the Lord and that he didn't create me to be a machine for ministry output and that he desires to speak to us and that he didn't um, make us just to do, but to be with him. Um, Yeah. And it was really um, sweet. It was a really sweet time as a lot of these lies had come out about not being good enough that God used that space to speak his truth into it of like, no, you are my daughter. And I say I I started counseling probably being like 3% myself, like 3% my true self, mm-hmm. how God actually created me to be. But um, yeah, by the end of three years, I probably was up to like 60% myself, you know, and that was, um, that was a, just really unique and just a really impactful part of my life. And so I, I was the type of girl who after every counseling appointment would want to tell all of my housemates everything that I learned in counseling and always just be sharing like cognitive distortions and just (laughs) ways of thinking and like I think you're thinking all or nothing thinking right now but like that is like not the reality and you know just wanting to like wanting to share how much it was impacting my life and yeah really just becoming an advocate for counseling encouraging friends to go to counseling and um, really speaking up about my experiences with mental illness um, like on my blog and just different um different ways just to be able to share like hi I I was a person who people had a persona of of being perfect and happy but there was a lot going on behind that and I want to tell you so you know that you don't have to be suffocated by the need to be perfect and happy where can people find your blog um it is called 60 seconds with katie.com okay good yeah so three years a lot of work done Mm-hmm. Spent a lot of time working through some coping mechanisms, and then that really kind of worked into some negative core belief mm-hmm. things. Talk to me about what life has been like since counseling. Where are you at today? Where are we going? Where are we moving forward? Yeah, so the word that I think of in life today is freedom. Um I feel a lot more freedom than I've ever felt in my life. I feel freedom to experience Jesus and freedom to be myself. Um, There are definitely areas that 
still need work. Um, I'm still in counseling today, still processing, um, still recognizing that there are other core lies that I've believed and that those things need healing and need processing. Um, but yeah, I really do look to counseling as an experience that, um, really set my course in a different direction and something that God has just used, um, as explosive in my life for a lot of healing and a lot of freedom and a lot of, um, yeah, just goodness. I could just feel the goodness of the Lord in my experience in counseling. And I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. Well, Katie, I am so thankful for you. I am first off thankful that this journey, um, that you went on with perfectionism, um, so many people don't come back from that. And that is a, a path that leads us to extreme disappointment. It's it, You're never able to achieve what you want to achieve. And then the fact that that brought you into a depression and then self-harm and then thoughts of suicide, I'm so thankful that, that God just brought you out of that in such a way that you're able to now sit in front of a, a microphone and share that story like you are today. Um, it's a, a huge honor for, for me to be able to hear your story and, and I just really appreciate your time. Yeah, this has been an awesome opportunity, and I'm happy to share what God has done in my life. Awesome. Well, God bless. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. So after Katie and I uh, finished recording the podcast, she had one more thought that she wanted to share with the audience. So uh, I let her go ahead and record another little piece, and here it is. Yeah, I just want to say that um, for anyone who relates to experiences of um, perfectionism or needing to prove yourself or just really being suppressed under not feeling good enough, um, that there is so much hope that you are not stuck there. Um, I thought I was going to be stuck there for a really long time, and God has just brought me to a place that I never thought that I could be. Um, yeah, and he just desires to break the chains that we are in. And yeah, I just encourage you to enter in um, to that healing process. Well, don't you just love stories like that? Stories of overcoming adversity, stories of hope when life often leaves us feeling hopeless. We want to thank Katie for being so open with her life and sharing her story with us. Thank you for listening to our second Experience Emerge or XM podcast. Please feel free to share this podcast with your family or friends and visit emerge.org for more information on what we do here at the Counseling Center. So until next time or when our Savior comes, God bless.